Welcome to the second recording of the interview with Franchman Dia. He was a general manager of the deepest mine in the world, and I thoroughly enjoyed the first recording with Francois. In the second episode, we'll carry on by talking about the people aspects, how to tie people in for the journey, how to choose the right people for the job, about coaching, really using proper business coaching to get people to the right level. We are talking about the systemic journey, all the things that you have to do and the hard facts that he's achieved about improving both the safety as well as the production on the mine. All of this underpinned by a business process framework, the people systems and strong leadership. At the end, I also asked Francois about why MinorP. What would you have done with MinorP if he had the tools and the platform at that point, the easy integration into other platforms, etc.? Very good response. So, this is Jean Drew for Mine Warp podcast series, and welcome back to Francois Nodia. Watching the Puning story from afar, you've radically changed your organization and the people, and you've spent a lot of time coaching people as well to fit into those roles. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we followed the approach of facilitated learning and discovery. So what you don't want to do in, in this process is go and tell people this is now what's going to happen. You need to set clear understanding of where you're going to and take them along uh, and let them discover that our work can actually be done in a better way. But one thing that I've also learned, sometimes these buzzwords of digitization or integration gets thrown around and suddenly everybody goes into the spiral of thinking that just getting service providers, let's digitize and we'll see, see a difference. Um, yeah. You know, and sometimes you have to just start from the basics again. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I am a strong believer that you can't be efficient if you, you're not effective and you can't be effective if your operation is, is not stable. Yeah. So you have to, to understand with the current capabilities, with your current designs, with the current infrastructure, what is it that you can achieve with the lowest variation possible within your overall system and process. And yeah. sometimes you have, first have to do certain technical fixes at the operations. You need to start working on desiloing all these departments. You can start working at bringing a bit of routines in to manage work a little bit better. But you have to start changing people slowly that they need to start thinking differently instead of looking for excuses and rather to move in towards, so what can I do differently to prevent it from happening again? And that brings you a little bit of a more control focus and bring stability into your operations so that as soon as you, you see that you've got a little bit of stability coming, then you can move into trying to be more effective by integration of processes or redesign certain processes or do systemic changes, maybe shift arrangement changes. You know, those are things that we've done at Imponeng. We realized that the work that we want people to do and the time that we actually give them to do that, that is not aligned. And we wondered why people do work off and they introduce risk and you know things are not happening as planned. Um, so you have to understand that there's certain work that senior management needs to do, and it's sometimes the harder work to enable safe and efficient production underground. And it's you know we're following this approach. Senior management can't hide away 
and saying people are poor because everybody comes to work to do their best. If we believe that, then somewhere in your system, somewhere in your process, somewhere things needs to change and it's management's accountability to do that. I mean, it took us two years to negotiate a new shift arrangement moving from uh, 8 hours, 20 minutes to 11 hours, five-day work week, where it was frowned upon when we started with it. But if you look at the current performance of the operation, you know, it was definitely one of those key moves. You are pushing a model of a systemic and sustainable approach. And this is where you started off to say by, let's first look at the stability. You know, uh, is your, uh, your production all over the, the uh, graph? Once you've got stability, you can introduce effectiveness and then efficiency. Uh, it's underpinned by strategic leadership and people and technical infrastructure ev- evolutions. And my first comment is, it sounds like there's a lot to do outside of bringing in a digitization partner. And secondly, I really like the way that you've drawn it to say that you first have to get some a control focus to get stability and then a process focus to get effectiveness. But then you step into a knowledge focus to drive the efficiency. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so uh, the knowledge focus obviously is where you can now really go into the digitization world. You know, what the technology can give to us, what the real-time information, the amount of data that we as humans can't process to actually optimize or improve or reduce the latency in decision-making. So this is really where, you know, the technology and the digitization world will play a role. And then you can start using algorithms to make, you know, assumptions and forecasts based on real information. I think, I don't know the amount of data that flows uh, on a mine, but I can tell you it's it's much more than what we as GMs believe there is. And um, it's how do you use that data ultimately to give you the right information? That will be the key to be efficient. But if you haven't done the hard work up front in setting the business up so that when that information starts flowing, that it actually makes sense uh, and it actually gives something to you and it's not just data, then that will definitely give you the next step into into being more efficient. And unfortunately, you know, this is still an area which I would like to see with my involvement in MineRP and the industry is I've done the hard work of you know, in my previous businesses in, in creating stability, getting process focus, getting a better integration going. But it was also, again, still loose standing applications and a lot of, you know, latency and decision making still there due to the geographical condition of the mine. And uh, we never could see what will the next step in efficiency improvements be. I mean, we went from an efficiency improvement from, let's say, get control focus. There's already a 19% value improvement that we got just by getting better control of our our process. That's a lot. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we moved from, uh, let's use this in the South Africa context, but a crew, all the mining, stoking crews on the mine produced 477 square meters per day and uh, just by bringing control focus and get stability in it moved to seven or 570 square meters per day wow. the same amount of crews then we went into the next process by looking at different ways we work by integrating and linking you know different things that happens in operations so a lot of 
time, we in the mining industry only focus on outputs and we measure people on outputs. And if you start measuring people on inputs and how do you actually make the environment such that you can safely produce, 70% of all the work that we're doing, probably 80%, depending on your industry, is, how, is work that gets done for and to enable production to take place. And we don't measure that. We hope it happens and then we get to delays. And when you start talking about integration, those are the things that you need to integrate. Leaf planning, yeah. HR planning, you know, all that kind of stuff. Logistical planning, how do you link that to execution? Did the blast go off? And then we start shouting if the blast didn't go off. Um, and then people uh, and then people start using excuses, and then you know you go nowhere with that. Exactly, and and it's generally because of the setup work for production that didn't take place as it should. And as soon as you only focus on the blast go off, your whole culture is crisis management, and people are running around and looking for excuses. Nobody trusts one another. But if you start focusing and managing more on what is the things that enables production to take place and how can you do it better, it becomes systemic and sustainable. Um, you can improve your blueprint, you can improve your designs, you can improve the longevity of your, your, your stokes or your or areas. So by doing that, I mean, this is real information from Ponen, we improved a further 15% to uh, 655 square meters per day. And you've only started by, by that point three years in, uh, in terms of digitization. Oh, that's right. I mean, we haven't even got to the digitization. This was only getting process focused and effectiveness and doing integration of, of processes and looking at systemic changes within work and how do we, and the time of work and that a bit of reorganization that logistics was created as a separate department. You can imagine four kilometers underground, you know, you've got four and a half thousand people, you've got 30,000 activities happening on a daily basis on an underground operation. And how do you get your material and your people to that area? Generally, we, we left it for engineering to solve. But as you understand all these things, as you go through this process, you realize where the key areas are in your business that you maybe need to have different focus on and create a different line ownership. So there's an example of a systemic journey that you're giving. Let's close it out by by talking about a nice sentence that you have and, a, and it looks like it's something that you constantly repeat at your management team, is it? So it's, so you're talking about underpinned by, you know, so what, uh, tell, tell us about that sentence. Yeah. Just before I get to the sentence, probably one of the most improvement, best improvements that we've uh, realized out of doing this work was how safety improved. Wow. Um, okay. And safety improved uh, significantly. I mean, now all engineering frequency rate reduced by 42%, wow. and it continues to reduce. I mean, that mine achieved 2 million fatally free shifts on a mine that gets 120 seismic events on a daily basis. And this gets to uh, the sentence is by doing the right work at the right time, at the right place, that's by having a decent business process um, in place and with the right people, the right person doing the right work at the right way. If you start bringing people and the business process together and you drive that by strong leadership, uh, that will give you this improvements that we've seen. Uh, safety ultimately important for the communities and for our people. 
and it will also make you a place where people want to go and work. Was this a slogan that you drove during that transition or transformation period? Oh, yes. I mean, doing the right work at the right time, in the right place, with the right person, in the right way, at the right time. That we always spoke about. I was quite intrigued how you had a person from the coaching industry, from the change industry. I was told that he occupied an office right next to you. That, was that true? Yeah, so he's an industrial psychologist. I used him for my whole six years in, in that journey for the Mponengsa, even before that at Kopenhagen. And that is why I'm saying you have to understand the psychology that people go through. And um, you have to have somebody that can, well, help yourself as GM for that matter, as a life coach. And uh, sometimes you still fall back into your old habits of doing things. And you always need somebody just to bring you back uh, that you've got that trust and close the door. And so right away you behave now is contrary to what we're trying to do. And you also played a, a big role in coaching my team just below me, you know, and helping with the integration process and the psychological component that people has to go through. So yeah, he was uh, at a direct line. I won't say he sat next to me, but um, if you can interpret it that way, yes, he had an open door and um, we worked together most of the time. And he attended all your management sessions, your workshops and your meetings, as well as the next level, or how did you do that? Yeah, so he was even involved in my um, EXCO team sessions when we did most of our integrated workshops, coaching, training. He did most of his facilitation work to do that. And uh, yeah, so that was, and that's why I'm saying, you know, in terms of you as the general management team have to drive the strategy, give the leadership, but you also have to get the help from some other people to Specifically, when they, you come into an operation where there's a history of managing by fear and there's no trust and so forth, it's always good to have somebody neutral that can do the facilitation between actually, you know, the people that you've got the workshop with and getting the training uh, implemented that people start discovering, but they have to create this, this trust with this individual. And that's why, you know, I used him for over eight years. People knew him. I think people thought he's on the payroll, but he was actually uh, being used as a consultant. Sure. I uh, come from a global IT uh, company, uh, Deutsche Telekom, and I'm used to that. I also had a coach working with me and my teams for a good part of five or six years. Still have a very good relationship with them, still talk to them often. I had a few personal coaches, two of them during that period, and we've made big transformations as a result of that. How did you sell this to your management to bring something like that on board? I must tell you that I don't see anything like what I saw you had in Puning across the world in mining. Yeah, I think the issue here is you as a GM or COO has got a day job to do as well. You know, there's always crises coming up. And if you've got the longer term strategy and vision where you want to go to, you can easily get distracted from that path. And uh, to have somebody like this, you know, in the background that has got the trust with your team and while you're running around with corporate politics and safety issues or maybe legal issues that you have to deal with, that work continues in the background and that the right approaches are being followed to move through. But how did you sell that? Did you find have difficulty in selling it? Wasn't there people, high echelons, up to say, 
Why is there a consultant in your team? We need to cut, cut, cut. Yeah, no, we had uh, every year we had that questions being raised. We need to cut costs. So why do you have consultants? And I just, I don't really sell it. I just stuck to my guns and said, well, look at the performance and the performance speaks by itself. So surely as a GM, I can make my own call on who I need to help me in this journey of continuous improvement. Okay, we need to wrap up. Um, I've asked you in the preparation, why minor P? So you are in free association with minor P, let me say that. Uh, But also when we heard that you became available, myself and Peter approached you and showed you in detail what our future vision is, etc. What did you see in minor P? And you've been here for, I don't know, a year and a half already. What have you seen and what would you tell other GMs around this three plus year journey and somewhere you need to kick in digitization and what are you seeing in minor P? I think as already mentioned, uh, our biggest challenge is to be able to support an integrated management framework and get digitization, you know, embedded into your whole process. Remember I said technical people, leadership and then technology. I believe that over the years, and I mean, MinRP did work for us in Anglegal Shanti, where I was involved with, developed over the year and spent a significant amount of money to develop an integrated platform that are able to actually bring the technical applications, the financial applications, operating applications, safety systems, HR systems, bring all of that into an area so that you can be able to integrate your business process. So I believe they've they've developed a platform that enables you to do all of that. It is also now possible to integrate strategic business planning and then budget planning and execution planning all in one. So MinoP gives you the capability of taking your strategic business planning and pulling it right through in one platform into execution. This is something you had, but with significant amount of high touch, as I call it, versus high tech. So you had quite a team keeping that up and running. I think at some yeah. point you quoted to us how many works orders you process per day, and that was quite significant. Yeah, I think it. You know, as technology advances, and I think this is where the benefit is from MinRP, the integrated platform and approach, and how data flows back and forth between these processes or stages. It took us a year to get to a budget where I, I think with MinRP you can do a budget daily <laughs> uh, when we get to that point. So it becomes one plan. It doesn't become a budget process where you start in January to May doing strategic business planning and then from there uh, until the middle of the year you do a five-year plan and then from there you do a one-year execution plan. All of them are integrated and aligned with one another. Uh, and I think that's the benefit also. Uh, and then by linking the technical plan with the financial ERP system, gives you an updated version and a forecasting version of where you want to go to uh, and what your cost forecast is instead of just looking at a month in that. You know, when we did financial reviews, it was reviewing a month back financial results. And that doesn't help you doing that. So I, my NLP has got the capability to, to integrate with that. And uh, I think this will give the industry the benefit of making the right business decisions. It will also maximize the business value with the lowest possible risk when you start bringing all these things together into one platform. You will identify explosive deficiencies. You identify and resolve constraints as management. And you also understand the systemic changes required to get that step change where 
what you want to, to deliver. So the information flow and the information view that you get from MineRP and the conflict demonstration and the integrated way how this platform functions will give you all that benefits. And it will start reducing your latency in decision-making. Obviously, it will start helping improving your planning, your integrated approach. You have ability to resource to the plan and make sure that the resources are available to actually execute. And I think, as I said right from the beginning, the biggest advantage is for the people. People are not confused. They know exactly what they need to do, by when. They get managed in, in terms of their performance. Um, and that will ultimately lead to a his performance that improves, his efficiency and productivity that improves, there's a reduction of waste. You do it at the lowest possible risk, so in terms of his health, is also uh, beneficial to that. So I think to summarize, MineRP gives you a, an integrated approach. All the loose standing systems that are available to actually give you a platform that you can use as a management tool to drive and improve value within the business. But your message is very clear and MineRP sees that in the last three, four years of doing typical digital transformation projects without the stuff that you spoke to us about now, you will not get traction. You won't even be, have sustainability because it will be a flash in the pan. It won't stick in the organization, etc. That's why you need that. MineRP have also since added mining uh, executives as well as adoption professionals. Mining executives, people like yourself that can work with GMs and saying, let's help you with this transformation journey. The digitization and the digital transformation enables it, but there's a lot of things that you have to do from a leadership, etc. perspective. Francia, to end off, we ask everybody that joins MineWarp, what are they currently reading? And we're not only looking for, uh, you know, for business type things. What are you currently reading? Yes, I'm reading a, a Christian book, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren, is the author. I think this is now my third time I'm reading the book, and it wow. goes around. Sometimes people wonder what their purpose in life is. I can highly recommend it. If you think you know what your purpose is, go and read that book, and um, you will realize why you're actually born and in this world. A very, very interesting book that gives a little bit of different perspective of life. Yeah, thank you. And, I, and we're seeing that in the coaching world, you know, purpose, getting people to their purpose, it is deeply embedded in the Christian faith, but also in many other faith systems. I think it's the latest way in which we can get people to their creation goal. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, Francia, we enjoyed having you. We'll post uh, Francia's email address in the show notes. We'll also have the show notes in. Tell us what you think. Thank you very much. Goodbye, Francia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tom.